welcome to episode 7 of Puckin' Dirty. My name is David DeJoya, and I'm the host of this pod, and I'm happy to have another chance here to bring you my thoughts and considerations on penguins, hockey, and everything, you know, under the sun for hockey. Uh, we're a hockey podcast here, primarily covering penguins, Florida Panthers, and, you know, any kind of hockey pop culture out there. Uh, if that interests you, then you should definitely check out our socials at Dirty J Hockey on Instagram and Twitter. We post there quite frequently and been trying to engage more with the community there and really started to try to, you know, get other people involved with the pod and, you know, get our name out there just just for fun, really. Nothing nothing too serious here. Um and my last week, uh, you know, it wasn't that bad. Um started really getting into miniatures. Uh another hobby of mine is Dungeons and Dragons. And, you know, you play on, like, a tabletop, and you have, like, pieces, like, figures and stuff. Oh, there is my dog. And I started getting more into the that side of things. You know, I've already painted them, and, you know, me and my my girlfriend, Kai, we kind of, you know, do that as, like, a kind of a side hobby. Uh, But recently, I, I got a magnetic board, and I started gluing on magnets to them, so I started getting a little bit more into the the minifigs, and we actually have a, a, a account, or Instagram account called Traveling Tavern Tales for the D&D stuff, uh, so that was pretty fun, and another thing uh, that, you know, Dungeons Dragons related while I'm on the topic here is my girlfriend got me one of these uh, advent calendars, oh god, don't be loud, and... I'm showing it on the video, and it's a a dice advent calendar, and I just, you know, I started thinking, what could I do with dice and hockey that's interesting uh, to start the pod here, and one of the things that I also, other things I do is collect hockey cards, uh, and if you're, you know, watching the video, watching on YouTube, you'll be able to see the cards I I can show you, uh, but I have my binder here, and I was thinking, I'm just going to roll two dice, and... Let's just see what card we land on, and maybe we can t- discuss that player a little bit uh, before we start on the pod here. Uh, so I'm rolling a, a, some new dice from the... Pretty cool. The, they're a, a D10 and a D12. They're both uh, pretty cool. Um, excited to use them. I got to use them yesterday when I played D&D, but um, let's see what, what I get here. So... I'm going to go to page 9, and I'm going to go to the second one. Hey, MSR. Six. Geez. Seven. Eight. Nine. And the second card is Anders Lee. Uh, Anders Lee is a, a left wing for the Islanders. Uh, I think he's he's actually the captain now as of... I think maybe a year or two ago, um, he was injured last year, uh, towards ACL. This year, I'm actually, I'm pretty sure he's not, not off to a bad start. I'm actually gonna look him up, because I honestly don't know. Um, but yeah, he, he's, a definitely a, a good, a good player for the Islanders. Um, last year he had a 20 goal campaign, um, that was, it kind of his plateau there, uh, he's definitely, um, Good on the power play and can find the back of the net. Uh, he's an American-born player, so you always like to see uh, Americans succeed. And he was actually on the Spitting Chickets 
Chicklets podcast and like their, uh, I think it's called a sandbagger when they play golf with these guys. And apparently he plays golf, drives with one hand and then putts left-handed or something like that. It's kind of, kind of odd actually. Um, and his current stats in the NHL right now, 26 games played, eight goals, 12 assists, 20 points. So yeah, he's off to another pretty good year, pretty good start, uh, for, for the, for the Islanders who in themselves are off to a good start here. Um, give me one second as I put away uh, my cards here. But I think I'm going to start doing that, you know, trying to get off the cusp uh, kind of hockey talk if I can from from uh, the cards. I think they're definitely pretty interesting uh, collection. and I know everyone collects something out there. I, I collect Dungeons & Dragons stuff and hockey cards, so pretty pretty interesting Interesting, I know. Uh, so just to move on to the hockey stuff here, uh, I got a few headlines here that I'd like to discuss. Is first off, uh, Mitch Marner has set a franchise record with the Leafs. He has a 19-game point streak, which is yeah the longest in their in their history. I I like Mitch Marner. I I think he's a great player. Um, I don't. I feel like he gets an undue amount of disrespect in Toronto. Uh, they they criticize him for not scoring in the playoffs. Fair criticism, but the team has not looked good in the playoffs in general. I mean, Austin Matthews kind of shrunk away last year, and I, I think Mitch is a great player. He's all, always 100 points, honestly, and I, I'd be surprised if he doesn't hit 100 points again uh, this year. Uh, second note here is uh, Jason Robertson, who is putting up Connor McDavid-like numbers. 18-game uh, point streak. He has 21 goals, 13 assists during that point streak. That's 21 goals, 13 assists. Like, that's crazy. Uh, to be over a goal a game in the NHL nowadays is unheard of. Like, Austin Matthews put up 60 goals last year, and, like, everyone was like, holy crap. Like, that that's amazing. And right now, if Robertson stays on his pace, he's probably hitting 70 goals. So that would be a crazy pace, but... Definitely a, a huge threat, and actually the Penguins play uh, the Dallas Stars this week, and I have a little preview on that. And he's definitely the focal point of their offense, but he's not the only only offense. He's he's well supported in his cast uh, for sure. Uh, Steven Stamkos is the the first player in Lightning history to record a thousand points at the club. Uh, I'm not surprised there at all. He's despite uh, like. St. Louis and uh, Le Cavalier, I don't think they played as long as Stamkos has. Stamkos has been in the league since he was, like, 18 years old. Uh, and they both, Le Cavalier and St. Louis, kind of were forced out in Tampa. Uh, Le Cavalier went to, like, the Flyers for a year, and he didn't even really play because he was, like, injured. And and Marty St. Louis, uh, he went to the Rangers, and I remember in 2014 – when they like bounced us, uh, yeah, I remember. I remember St. Louis on the Rangers. He was good there, and why I remember that in particular is because uh, I went with my buddy Dunkel, Eric Dunkel. Uh, he took me to a game, and it was like the day before Marty St. Louis' mom died, and there was some douchebag in the stands making fun of that. And like honestly, that I feel like that mojo kind of like put us at a put us at a loss, like. That, that putting that out there in the universe, you're you're just asking to get punched in the mouth, and 
Penguins did that. They that was a, a series where I think they were up three to one and couldn't finish it out and lost in seven, and definitely due in part to St. Louis. Um, yeah, but off that getting off topic there. But yeah, the uh, uh, next piece uh, of news is the the Bruins. Uh, although their streak ended at fourteen with a shootout loss to the the Golden Knights last night, which kind of pissed me off. I'm not gonna lie, because um, the Bruins came back and it, they looked. I thought they were going to win again, and to be honest, I like when hockey records are set and broken. Um, but they have the most wins at home to start the season with 14, and that's pretty crazy. In a row, 14 games at all. Any kind of streak of 14 wins is unheard of in the NHL. You don't see it very often, but the Bruins, I, I don't know what it is this year. They're they're just gelling. Like they're, Their goaltending's excellent. Their scoring's excellent. Pasternak's trying to play himself into a $12 million con- contract. And Allmark, I mean, this guy's been bounced around a few times. He was on Buffalo at some point. I'm not sure where he was before then, but he, he's been around, and he is playing beyond my expectations for him. Swayman isn't even, and shouldn't really even have, like, sniff the net. He he should really, uh, Allmark should really be playing almost every other game, or every game, you know. Um, next piece of news, Patrick Kane is the uh, third active player to reach 1,200 points in the NHL. I'll give you, give you a second to guess who the other two might be. If you answered Sidney Crosby and Alexander Ovechkin, you are correct. Those are the only other two active players that have re- reached this, uh, this milestone. And... With Stamkos just reaching it, you know, or the thousand point threshold, I, I'm pretty sure that Malkin's there near there too. So those two players, I'd be on the lookout. I'm trying to think of anyone else that maybe Claude Giroux, but I don't even know if he's hit a thousand points yet. Uh, but yeah, uh, a great plateau for one of the best, if not the best, American player in Patrick Kane. Got to wash it down with some uh, Turner's tea here. You know, Yinzer staple. We're a real Yinzer podcast here. I got the Sidney Crosby jersey on. I'm drinking. I'm drinking Turner's tea out of a Penguin cup. We're, we're going full Yinzer here. We need to get the good mojo. We, the Pens actually play in 30 minutes, so I might even be reacting to some of that game. I hopefully I get to the previews before that. But um, an- another crazy, crazy little thing in the last week: the Kraken and the Kings combined for a total of 17 goals in a game, and I kind of posted it on about this on uh, the Instagram, and Cal Peterson was sent down to the minors <laughs> after this game, and he has a three million or a three-year, five million uh, per year deal, so fifteen million total, and he already got some of the signing bonuses, so he's due. They paid more money already uh, with how signing bonuses work in the NHL, um, but yeah, no one was going to touch that that deal after he got sent to the minors. Um, I really wonder what they're they're gonna do here because Jonathan Quick is by no means the the guy anymore. He's not the guy that won them those two cups. Uh, he's he's getting old. I mean, he's still good. Don't get me wrong, but he's just had a bad few years. And I think Copley is their backup now. And it's like, who the hell is this guy? Like, why? I don't know. I don't even know if uh, they save any money by sending Cal Peterson down with how. Uh, one-way contracts work in the NHL, so it's just definitely odd to 
to move this guy down. I feel like you shouldn't give up on a guy that quick if you're paying him that type of money. And to be fair, uh, the the Kings are super inconsistent. Um, they're constantly winning a game, losing a game, winning a game, losing a game. So I wouldn't necessarily put all blame on the goaltender, but the, the team definitely in front of them has been inconsistent. And, hey, I'm not the manager, and he didn't get claimed, even though I think Buffalo maybe should have taken a stab at it. They had $17 million. The freaking goalies are Craig Anderson and some Pecco, Lepidin, whatever the hell Finnish guy that I don't even know how to pronounce his name. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you can spare the $5 million. Maybe you don't want to pay for three years, but, like, hell. You got Tage Thompson and everyone locked up. Let's let's spend some money. Let's let's fucking win some games. I like to see Buffalo do better. Um but not this week. Not this week first depends. They no. Not not there. Uh uh next next little news here I, I thought it was kind of odd to hear is uh Kasperi Kakmionemi. Kakionemi? He's a hard name to pronounce. Uh they call him KK in Montreal. Um apparently the if you follow hockey, you've probably heard about the story where Kasperi's Kapine- Kap- God, caught Kinemi. It's hard to say, man. Uh, how he apparently signed a, a RFA deal with uh, Carolina for like six million dollars, whatever, and twenty or whatever. And there was a big like Twitter battle between the Canadians and the Hurricanes. Uh, apparently, in a talk show uh, fairly recently. He dropped the fact that he apparently ghosted Montreal, and if you're not familiar with that term, it's, say, like, you know, someone texted you, you read it, and then you just don't answer it. Basically, that's what happened. He, The Montreal uh, was willing to sign the same deal uh, with Kasperi, but they he just chose not to. He just didn't answer any of their, you know, their inquiries. So I thought that was a, a very interesting thing. You don't really hear too much about RFAs and, you know, like, offering uh, offer sheets uh, in the NHL. So, definitely odd that he even volunteered to drop the info. He wasn't really pressed on it. He kind of just volunteered it, which I thought was def- definitely uh, an interesting interesting move because if you look at it now, the guy gets paid way too much money for not producing. Um he he is currently in 25 games played. He has five points, two goals, three assists. Yeah, and he gets paid. Uh, I said Cosberry. It's Jesperry. Sorry, he gets paid 4.82 million for the next six years or something like that. And this guy's really young. He's 22 years old, and he's also a left wing center kind of guy. So he can play multiple positions, and. Obviously, you don't want to give up on a player while they're a young young guy, but signing a huge deal like that, getting only five points, it's a tough sell for me. And it's part of the reason why I think Carolina will definitely start to fall off here pretty soon. I don't think they're they're going to stay a, a a good Metro team for that long past this year. This year, obviously, that's a different story. They're a good team. I was kind of talking them down little bit last year, uh, last week uh, when the Penguins played them. But to be fair, I, I'll go more into that on the review part of this. I, I think the Pens kind of got fucked out of that game. Um, but I'll get into that later. Um, my last little 
little teaser, a little tidbit is the uh, Brock Brock Boser. Um, this guy, he's uh, plays for Vancouver, and they're reportedly willing to move on from him in a trade. And I I do believe he's going to be traded pretty soon. Uh, there's few caveats. Um, there's not many teams that can just take his salary cap. Um, he's he's due for for three more years, six point six five million. Uh, but he doesn't have any trade clauses, so he can get moved wherever the GMs decide to go. Um, and his, his GM is Jim Rutherford, and if you know as Penguin Penguin fan, he he loves just making deals. And he made the greatest deal in the world of trading Ryan Reeves for a first round pick at one point. So yeah, yeah, and I I, I do think he gets trade happy, and if his team isn't succeeding well which they're not succeeding, and he calls them out in the media, and then he's willing to make trades. And I, I kind of didn't love Jim Rutherford towards the end of his tenure, and I'm glad he's on a, a different team for sure. Pretty sure he technically retired from the Penguins as well, so kind of odd to see him back anyway. Um, sorry, I was just sipping my Yinzer tea again. Um, Brock himself, he's a, he's a goal scorer and the Canucks, even though they, uh, even though they're a bad team right now, they're scoring a lot of goals. They just let up a lot of goals. I think they had like 88 goals for, but like 101 goals against. So they're just, they need to work on defense is the obvious, obvious candidate there. Obvious, you know, symptom of their issue. And with that being said, there, I'm sure there's plenty of teams that will trade a goal scorer for some kind of defensive player. And with the style of, uh, you know, Vancouver's management, their ownership, I think that they're going to be a win-now team. So I think they want to get a player back in this trade. I don't think they want to rebuild because if they were going to rebuild, they would have done it already. And, yeah, they, they're they no not in a rebuild, but they're an awful team. And, Something needs to be done there. Um, right now, even though he was considered to be scratched, which is usually an indication of being traded, but I think it's that they are unhappy with his play. He has, in 20 games played, four goals, 12 assists, 16 points, and he's a minus 14. And you hear that stat line, you're like, really? Like, this guy who's like point seven point whatever points per game is going to be scratched in – they're not happy with his defense, and that's why it's like I don't I don't really buy that. Like I don't know if if you guys listen to this, you might listen to a guy named uh, Shannon. He's a he does a YouTube um, the hockey guy is his his name on it, and he brought up a, a good point today when I I thought it was interesting is offensive players that can't play, be offensive players that can't play defense are kind of ripped new ones in the media and coaches and. You know, just by fans in general versus, um, you know, players who are defensive-minded only and can't really score. And I thought that's just, like, an interesting, like, little, you know, mental, like, viewpoint there is, I mean, it, it makes sense. Like, a, a scoring player who's not scoring, obviously, is you know, costs a lot of money and put that much resource into a guy, you want to see him scoring, you know, the defense you'd hope, I guess, is there. Um, but I, I just think that's a little unfair because, like, you really, like, if you are paying a guy a lot of money, um, 
you know, to score goals, you shouldn't really care that much, uh, if he's, if he's putting up 16 points in 20 games. Like, to me, he's filled his end of the bargain. Maybe his defense needs to be worked on, but there's no way he's the reason that they are in the shitter right now, like 7 and 13. So, wh- where does he go from here? That's, that's the next question. Um, obviously, I'd love to see him on the Penguins, but, like I said, with, with how the cap works, I mean, we'd have to lose a player of some, of some significance to, to get this guy in return. Um, one, you know, one thing that happened recently is, uh, one medical thing is Latang had a stroke recently, so prayers up to him, and obviously that's terrible to, uh, for Latang. But with that being said, there are some implications with that. Um, a player misses a lot of time. You can put him on LTIR. Uh, it's pretty early in the season, but it reminds me of a situation where, you know, Tampa Bay put Kucherov on LTIR until the playoffs. And definitely that one was a little sus. Um, and not necessarily suggesting that Latang will be out that long, but you know, if we happen to move him to LTIR, we definitely have six million from his contract alone to spend on a a player that costs six point six five. I'm just saying, um, there, there could be something there. I don't necessarily think the Penguins are going to be able to add him. I think there's going to be other teams that can maybe offer a better package. Um, like I said, they're going to want a defensive player or you know maybe a defenseman himself. Uh, I could see maybe, like, Zucker moving. I wouldn't want to really see him go with how good he's been playing. Um, but we could lose, like, Dumo or maybe even uh, Pedersen. But I-, I doubt it. And it's, it's like, the only player I can really see us actually trading is Dumo. And got to think about that. Trading Dumo and maybe, like, a first-round, second-round pick. I don't know. I heard that the... Uh, the offers for Brock Besser are starting to go down, like the value of them. I, I was reading this earlier today. So if if they're going to get meager uh, offerings, kind of Dumo might be one of the better options if we do end up, you know, pulling that move off. Dumo, obviously, plus some some capital. Or or maybe Ty Smith and I, – I don't know. I, I that's, that's what I was thinking here is if you move Dumo, you definitely have the defensive depth in the organization – to you know, cover that. I don't. I don't think Dumo's irreplaceable anymore. I think you know Pojo's definitely proven that he should belong. Um, Mark Friedman would be starting to play maybe, or I think Ty Smith deserves it more than him. Uh, but one of the you know, one of my uh, critiques of the Pens this year were that they were definitely super deep in defense this year. Like they had like ten defensemen on the roster that were NHL players. It was like why do we have this many and you know with that being said we definitely have some extra defensemen laying around and I don't know if Dumo is going to get any better and he's on a one year like remaining deal and it's about four point some million I I think right now I I think that could be a potential trade that that would be what I offer uh, obviously plus some some draft pick because the Pens still have their first and second this year and the next year, and the year after that. And 
let's be real. I'm expecting to win cups. I don't really necessarily care. I, I don't care at this point. Maybe four years from now, I'll, I'll be like, why the hell did we do this? But if you get a goal-scoring player, winger, uh, for three more years, that's basically the end of everyone's contract with the the core. So it lines up pretty well, and you do yourself a pretty pretty interesting uh, – put yourself in a pretty interesting position, I will say. Um, some of the other teams, you know, obviously I want the, the pens, but – some other teams I'm really thinking that might consider this, um, that fit, you know, the system, what the front office want, might want, um, is like the Wild and the Jets. Um, I think the the Wild, I think they can move some of their depth forward. In the, with that being said, their payroll and uh, skill will increase with adding Besser back. I think Jordan Greenway could be moved potentially. He's like a power forward type of guy who plays well, 200 feet. Which kind of fits the bill. Uh, he makes three million for three years, so you could add even another player, you know, within that the confines of uh, Besser's contract of six point six. So add another player for three point six. I mean, that's a pretty good player. Um, another another guy on their roster I saw that could be maybe a potential fit uh, playing into the defensive side of things is uh, Matt Dumba. He is an alternate captain. Um, he has one year left. He's 29 years or 28 years old, and I, I think Minnesota could potentially move him. Uh, he makes six million, so I mean, fill a defensive issue. You add six million, or you lose point six million to your to your uh, cap space. I mean, I, I think that's a pretty decent, you know, potential trade. I, I don't obviously. I'm not a, a GM, so I don't really know how they value their players. I've heard that each team keeps separate stats on on players. So, I mean, I don't know how they value uh, kind of like a two-way defensive man. A two-way defensive man, that sounded weird. Two-way defenseman uh, in Dumba, but I think he's definitely one of the better options out there who's on a one-way, one-year deal, and they should really start rebuilding. I'm not going to lie. I, I really think that the Vancouver Canucks should start rebuilding. So having a guy on a one-year deal and then he's gone, get that money out, I mean, I, I don't think that's a bad move for them. Uh, the other other team was also another Western team that I think could potentially make a move is uh, the Jets. Uh, I, I think the Jets have struggled to score this year. They're one of the lowest scoring teams, actually. They're act they're at league average, which is like seventy eight goals, um, and that's what they're at. But they've also only let in fifty nine goals. I, I believe the stat is um, it is by the way. Uh, and like obviously they can spare some defense for some offense, and it, it's kind of plays into like where where's the scheme fit and. It's tough. I, I feel like, you know, Brandon Dillon or Neil Pioink uh, could be a potential return here. Uh, Pioink is kind of like a two-way offensive-minded guy, so maybe not. Uh, but Brandon Dillon, he is like a, a big guy, hard body. Um, he's been – he was on the uh, Capitals at one point, um, if you remember uh, any Penguin fan. Uh, but before, he was on the Sharks as well, so you might remember him from that. Uh, but he, yeah, he's a big guy, and he he can contribute offensively, like maybe twenty points a season, but nothing spectacular. 
Uh, but he's definitely a defensive guy that, you know, if you need to add defense and you're willing to trade a score, trade a score for it, might as well be that guy. Um, or a guy who, you know, doesn't make the full 6.6 million. Uh, Dylan, Brandon Dylan only makes 3.9 million for this year and the next. So once again, you'll have that, that space to, you know, add another player or who knows? I mean, cap space, maybe you get another pick out of it. It's like cap space is at such a premium right now. I feel like you have to really capitalize while you can. Uh, apparently the next two years, uh, the cap space is supposed to like really kick up. So if, if I'm a GM, I'm going to capitalize while the market is there for, uh, you know, cap space, in my opinion. I, I feel like that's really a, a good good idea, good move. But, once again, I'm not an NHL GM, so I don't really know how this stuff works. I at least, at least like to believe I do. That's that's right. Um, not, I'm not really sure when this is going to happen, though, this trade. Um, the insiders really kind of, like Elliot Friedman, like, kind of really think this is going to happen sooner than later. And I'd be really sad if, you know, Boston or another one of those top teams, Vegas, ended up making a move for this because their team, those teams are already really good. It'd be, it'd be shitty if we have to, you know, play an even better team in the playoffs if we, if we play them. Um, moving on now to the Penguins. Uh, I'm gonna recap the three games that they they played. Um, first off, this is the OT loss uh, versus the Canes, where Brian Russ got boarded right in front of the benches, the player benches, and. All of the the Penguin players stopped playing, and the Canes jumped on the ice. Four guys were on the ice at one point, and they scored on a two v two v o. And Jari that didn't stand a chance. Let's be real. Everyone stopped there. It was an obvious call that was not called. Um, I I I think this is going to be you know fuel the Penguins for the next time they play the Canes. Uh, we play them three more times this year, and I, I do think it would add to some fire. Uh, to them. Brian Russ is actually quoted after he was interviewed uh, after this game because he was the one that was hit. He said the the whole play was fairly bizarre. Uh, the the whole game was bizarre and some things weren't called. And that's as much as you'll get from a hockey player saying that, yeah, there, there was a missed call and it's it should have been called, basically. Um, in this game... I noticed that the power play was still kind of an issue. It just seemed like there wasn't much movement off the puck. Uh, I think Raquel should definitely have been moved up earlier. He's already, he actually is on the first line power play right now, but I think he should have been earlier, maybe like three or four games ago, because Brian Russ has been cold, to say to say the least. Um, but, yeah, we lost in overtime to them. I, I'm excited to play them again. I think the Penguins will beat them next time for sure. Uh, the Penguins actually played Vegas, uh, one of the best teams in the NHL right now, and they beat them 4-3 to three at home. Uh, the, the Penguins spotted them a two-goal lead after the first period, but there was just something that clicked in that room, and Brock, Brock McGinn scored another you know clutch goal, seventh goal of the year, and... Ricard Raquel de- definitely scored again. Uh, or sorry, he didn't. Let me rephrase that. Better. Ricard Raquel scored again in the second period uh, to tie it. And I feel like Ricard Raquel just hasn't been you know talked about by this podcast enough. Uh, he has 10 goals, 5 assists through 25 games, and he really drives the offense with the Penguins, um, with Malkin, with Sid. 
Uh, it's good to see him finally get some power play time. Uh, it's well deserved, and I think he ha- he actually had a power play goal in that game uh, versus the Knights. He's definitely been one of the more consistent players, whereas you know Kasperi Cap Cap oh god Kasperi Kapanen and you know Danton Heinen and you know the other guys we like to hit on here uh, have not been. I think uh, Ricard Raquel has good chemistry with our our top players, and when we got him from the Ducks, I wasn't really sure how good this guy was, but right now I, I feel like that trade is a definite win in the Penguins' favor. Uh, I'm not exactly sure. I'm going to pull up the trade details real quick. Uh, the Penguins traded, oh, yeah, De- De- uh, Simone, Aston Reese, and Callie Klang, which I don't know who that is, in a second-round pick for Ricardo Cal, and they retained some of the salary. So th- I think... Without a doubt, and a definite win. Uh, Aston Reese is not even on. I think he's on the Leafs now. And Dominic Simone has been a. I always thought he was a bum. Um, I think he's right now is an AHL player. Uh, to show you, just I, I he was never very good. Sullivan loved him for some reason. He was on the team like multiple times. I just didn't really understand why he never really looked very good. Um, but yeah, I, I think Ricardo Kell is definite good player. Glad we have him. Part of the reason why our offense is so good. Um, another, uh, an interesting, uh, part of the, that game, the Vegas game. And the last, the last person I thought would score, scored is Kasperi Kapanen, Cheeks Clappinen, as the Penguins call him. Uh, he scored, scored a goal that was both huge for him and the Penguins. Um, if, if you saw the broadcast, or maybe if you were even there, you would, could see the emotion on his face. It was just raw emotion of, like, I got the monkey off my back. I finally scored a goal. I can, you know, breathe a sigh of relief. And everyone, all of his teammates, were very happy for him. You could see when uh, they hugged him on the ice, Jeff Carter was smiling, cheering for him. And definitely, uh, I think it goes to show the character that Captain has. Despite his off or on the ice uh, inconsistencies, he's still a good person and well liked within the organization. And I think that that kind of speaks volumes for just you know the leadership there and you know maybe Sperry Kapanen's dedication to hockey. I mean, maybe he just had a bad streak. I mean, if he's putting in the effort, putting in the time, and just, you know you don't sometimes when you play hockey, it just doesn't work for you. Uh, but it. I was hoping when I reviewed this game that this would be the start of something good for him, and I, I think the the next game proved that it was. Um, last game of the week it was versus the St. Louis Blues. The Pens absolutely crushed them, six to two. I predicted a five two game, by the way, and I also predicted that uh, Bennington would get ran out of the net by the Pens uh, after we scored a lot on them, and and it happened. I think the last two times we played the St. Louis Blues, this happened. And uh, what's his face? Zucker. Zucker scored the the fourth goal uh, in the second period. And by that time, he, like, Bennington just looked awful. Like, there was a play where he went, like, trying to reach in the the trapezoid area where you can't reach uh, behind the net. 
and the Penguins just like me and Pay, they they stole it right off him and scored. And he he was just spinning around, not really, you know, there mentally. Um, and it, it's kind of funny because he like I mentioned Zucker scored that fourth goal. Uh, Bennington got pulled after that, and he was chatting it up on the way to the bench. And Zucker just shrugged at him like, "Well, what what did I do? Like I just scored on you, and you're the one that you're, you know." brain malfunction right now and uh the coach coach Baruby is the the St. Louis Blues coach he actually blasted him saying it's got to stop it doesn't help anything uh which once again if you know hockey like they don't say very much but saying anything about the antics and you know a negative kind of perspective on it I, I think speaks a lot and I think he's absolutely true uh there was a misconduct given to Bennington for his actions for trying to incite a fight. Uh, I thought it was definitely an uh, interesting call. I don't know if I've ever seen that before. Maybe some of the older hockey fans who like watched through the 90s might have seen something like that before, but I don't think I've ever seen that before. Um, and while you know the Blues were melting down, the Penguins, I thought, were building a strong case for you know the type of team that they are. Um, Kasperi Kapanen, after five, six games being scratched, comes back, scores a goal in his first game, and then he scores three goals in this game versus the Blues. All of them were, maybe not all of them, maybe two out of the, the three. Actually, no, I think all three were in the in that blue paint area uh, in on the power play. Some of them were on the power play. So... Kind of, once again, one of the things I I was saying for Kapanen is, like, to get him started, like, this was episode two. You can go back and listen to this. I I think he should be on the power play. I think having him on the penalty kills are right because of his speed and everything, but he's a skilled guy, and sometimes when you're on a bad streak and you need a point, being on the power play and just sitting in front of the net cleaning up garbage, you know, kind of, like, kind of a good thing. You know, score a goal, who knows – like the streak that he could go on or, you know, how much better he feels about himself and the psychology behind it. So I definitely was glad to see him succeed. And I I, I just, yeah, like you start the year, I don't think he was used properly. We had like, po, po, like Polian or Paling, Paling. Yeah, we had Paling and Heinen on the, on the power play. And Heinen's getting scratched now. At, or I think he was last game, and then Palin got hurt the other game, but those guys were, like, actual fourth-line players, third-line players, where I feel like Kasperi is definitely that middle six kind of player um, when he's on, obviously. Uh, Cappy, he now has five goals, five assists, and 16 games played, so that's that's not really that bad if you consider his season so far. Um, If he builds on it, I'd be definitely happy to see. Uh, and getting on to the, the previews for this week. The Penguins tonight, in literally starting now, so I'm going to throw it on. Um, this is perfect, because now I can tell you how I'm not watching the game totally and just tell you what happens. Um, anyways, uh, to preview this, first game tonight, last game of this little homestand that we've had, uh, we play the Columbus Blue Jackets. Jackets are 8 13 and 2 with 18 points. They've gone 1-3 and 1 in their last 5 games. They beat Winnipeg 
four to one on December second. Their season has been, you know, marred by injury and just underperformance by their top players. Besides Johnny Gaudreau, uh, he's obviously the biggest threat. Him and Boone Jenner, they always ha- seem to have good game. Who Boone Jenner always seems to have good games against the Pens. Same with uh, Gustav Nyquist. He always seems to get on the score sheet somehow, and I would really love to see Jari shut them out. I'll say it now. I think they're going to win a 4-0 game. Uh, Elvis Merziklins is in, in net, and he's really been struggling this year. I really do expect the Pens to blow out this team. I think that the, the Blue Jackets are bottom three teams in this league. They are, they are not good. Um, having the injuries on top of, you know, a lack of skill, depth, and veterans is just, you know, the cream, cream of the cake, or whatever that fucking saying is, is they they just really are struggling for talent in Columbus, and the Penguins are on the up. I think the Penguins have found the game that they want to play, and I think they'll play it and dictate the game tonight. Um, it's kind of sad. I was going to go to the game with my sister tonight, uh, but it just didn't work out. Uh, we have some pretty nice tickets on the on the lower floor or lower bowl. Um, Definitely kind of wish I was there, but at the same time, I wouldn't have been able to do the pod, and I love doing the pod. I love just talking to you guys here. Um, but yeah, Penguins, 4 nothing. Um, I expected the Penguins' depth to continue tr- contributing. I would love to see Kasperi Kapanen score a goal here. I'd also like to see Malkin kind of dominate a game. I feel like it's been a few games since I've really seen him, you know, playing that 200-foot game that he was earlier. Uh, so I'd definitely like to see that. Uh, moving on, the Penguins play the Buffalo Sabres twice, so I kind of get the cheap out here on the, you know, the preview. Um, they play them at the Sabres and then uh, back here in Pittsburgh, so a home and home stand, which is kind of cool. I actually think, um, kind of like one, during the COVID era of hockey, they did this where they played teams a bunch in a row, and I actually kind of like the mini series. I don't know what it was, but I feel like it actually like made rival you know, rivalries in the NHL. You see the same guy so much, you want to, you know, just hit him. Like, damn, that guy ran my player last game. Got to get even with him type of shit. Um, but, yeah, the Penguins play them twice. Um, I'm just going to preview the away game because I feel like everything I say here applies, but uh, just a little bit differently being at home or away. Um, I think the Sabres are one of the most lethal teams offensively this year. Um, and I think they're... They can back it up. Tage Thompson, Alex Took, and uh, Jeff Skinner's are all at least a point per game. I think Jeff Skinner's or Took is one point under a point per game. So they are they are clicking. And Dylan Cousins has been stepping forward. Uh, he I think he has eight points last week. And the Penguins really need to slow down on or slow them down and really defend well if they uh, want to. Want to beat this team? They, they're. I think the the key to victory there would be counter punching uh, or counter attacking. You know, on the rush and really kind of exploiting maybe the fact that they're not really veterans on that team. Uh, a lot of their best players are young, and I think frustrating them would be a great way to counter counter score counter attack and score on those like rushes and. Odd rush, odd man rush opportunities. Um, I think the first game will be a high scoring game. I think uh, Buffalo being at home, you kind of get the matchups that you want. I think it'll be a five four win for the Pens. Uh, 
I'm expecting the Smith to start there and Casey to be at home. So kind of expect a little bit of a higher scoring game there. Um, I expect though that that game in Pittsburgh, so the home game, the second game, I expect a three-one win uh, for the from the Pens. Same thing that uh, you know I said I, they need to slow them down, uh, but they can get the matchups they want being home. Uh, the last so the way hockey works, if you're not familiar, you know you change lines, change uh, you know forward defensive lines. Um, when the whistle stop, the home team gets the last say in the changes. So if you ever see uh, at a game, the ref will stand between the two benches and he'll like motion both teams, you know, to make their subs. So I think Sullivan is like kind of a not like I I think he's a master at strategy and I think he knows how to deploy his units well, his team well, and I, I do think that they're going to win uh, a three one game. Um, the the Buffalo Sabers are eleven thirteen and one. That's twenty three points right now. Um, and the last game uh, of this week is the Dallas Stars, who one of the best teams in the league. They're fourteen six and five. Uh, real tough team here. Um, maybe another if you know if Buffalo Saber is it, Buffalo Sabers aren't the best team. Uh, just based off stats, goals for, you know, then Dallas definitely is. Uh, they, have, they have the most goals scored. Uh, and, you know, I mentioned Rupe Hints, or sorry, I mes- mes- mentioned, jeez, I mentioned Jason Robertson earlier. Uh, his offensive numbers are absolutely insane, and I don't know how we can expect to slow down a player that's playing that well. But they also have Rupe Hints, Joe Pavelski, Jamie Benn, all making a pretty big impact for the Stars. Uh, someone who, you know, isn't playing well but might against the Pens is Tyler Sagan. He's all, he's been that guy before, but kind of not really been the same guy since his injuries, his hip injuries. So um, this game, I, I feel like it's going to be a tough one for the Pens. Um, I think their goaltending is something we could exploit. Uh, I don't, I don't think they have the best, you know, Pear and Wedgwood and Ottinger. Uh, but Ottinger, at one point in the season, was doing pretty hot. Um, if he could do it again, I, I I think it could be a bad night for the Penguins. And while I don't necessarily like predicting losses for the Penguins, I kind of am looking at the facts here, and I'm, I think they're going to lose this game to the to the Sharks, or, geez, to the Sharks, to the Stars, 3-2, which will be tough to watch. Um, but I do predict that it's going to be a good game. I mean, how how is a playing, like, the some of the best teams in the West, like, you want this challenge as a player, I think, and the Penguins rose uh, against the um, Knights, and, you know, I I think they could do it again here. I I could argue that the Knights are a better team. Um, And, hey, I I also predicted that game 3-2 win for the Pens, but I was close. I'm getting close here. One of these weeks I'll be right, and then I'll, I'll celebrate it, but... Uh, yeah, the Stars 3-2 loss, I think, for the Pens. Uh, might be a tough one to swallow. Might even be in overtime. Um, but I do think it's going to be close. Uh, and moving on here, that's that's all the Penguin games for this week. Um, kind of want to you know highlight some of the players and other news about the Penguins here. Um, Jeff Petrie, he is now going to be the quarterback and the number one defenseman on the Penguins. How is he going to fill this role? Uh, of Crystal Tang. The power play actually was doing 
better since we were slumping in the beginning and the start of the season. Uh, he contributed, Jeff Petrie contributed on a power play assist versus Vegas. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I, I think he can, I think he can rise there. I, I, I don't necessarily think he's been the best Penguin defenseman. I think that's Marcus Pedersen. Uh, but I do think he's probably been the second best. It's tough for me to argue anyone else. Uh, I mean, obviously Latang, but he's hurt. So he's had that stroke. So he's, he's not really a factor in my considerations right now. Um, I'd like to see Pedersen next to him. I think Petey and him are, are doing well together. Uh, I want them to build chemistry because with the stroke, I mean, the Penguins tweeted out a video of Latang skating and shooting, but who really knows? how long he's going to be out for. And for his sake, I really hope he doesn't rush back into it because who really knows, like, the kind of harm that you could do to your body. He had when he had a stroke in 2014, and he was only 26. So fast forward eight more years, 34, I mean, it's older. I mean, you're not really old, old, but, like, it's it's scarier, I think. He has kids now and a wife, so... I really don't want to see him rush into it and hurt himself long term. I I love Latang. I I think he's given his heart, soul, and body to this team, to this city. And if he wanted to, you know, hang it up, even I I would be fine with that. Um, obviously, I I hope that he gets better and can play hockey again. But you know, I respect him either way uh, for sure. Uh, back on to the Petrie though, his uh, stats this year: twenty five games played, three goals. 8 assists, 49 blocks, 78 hits. Um, look at his stat line. I mean, he's not Kale McCarr, and I don't think he needs to be that guy. Uh, I think he needs to be the two-way guy that he is with uh, Latang missing who knows how amount of time. Um, I think he could contribute more offensively, actually. Um, I'd like to see him maybe even get to his career best. Right now he's on pace with, like, his 40-ish point season. Um but those the, the the teams that he set those forty-ish point seasons were or with uh, Montreal and pre McDavid Oilers, um, I think he could do I think he could do better. His best uh, season offensively was that shortened one, which was two years ago. He had forty-two points and twelve goals in fifty-five games. So if he reaches even. Near that, that's 60 points. I mean, shit, uh, I'll take that, like, <laughs> for sure. And and then you, you get that guy playing that well, and then Latang returns. I mean, shit, that's that's tough right there. That's a that's a lethal two-way lineup uh, for the Pens. Um, and I kind of feel like this guy might be more obvious, but Kasperi Kapanen, uh, I like to definitely pump his tires while he's been doing well. Um, like I said, four goals in the last two games. More time on the power play. He's given being given the keys to success, which I kind of alluded to this in, earlier in the in the pod here. But I think coaching maybe what might have been a reason that you know Kapanen was not off to a better start this season. Getting that chance on the power play, you you really get a chance at an easy point in confidence. Like I, I'm not an NHL player, but you know just you see like 50 games without a goal or whatever it was, regular season games without a point. You need to boost the guy's confidence, and it's not like you didn't have other, you know, guys struggling, like Russ and Heinen, and, you know, it's like, give the guy an opportunity to succeed. Um, I 
I think he now is going to have that confidence to get himself on the right path, and I, I really hope that he scores tonight, honestly. The game actually hasn't started yet. Kind of kind of annoying. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think um, Cappy will definitely have a good chance to score this week with you know the weak defenses that they're playing three times, being Jackets and the Sabres twice. So one of the easier weeks to return, I'd say, in terms of scoring, for sure. Um, and then the, the last guy that I think, you know, player to watch and obviously is, is Sidney Crosby. I, I think he's been the MVP this year, um, without a doubt. He's riding a five game point streak, six points in that streak, uh, 17 points in his last 10 games played as well. He's been on a tear and I feel like it's a shame that, you know, he, they mentioned, uh, Jason Robertson and, you know, Marner and, uh, Connor McDavid and like, yes, these guys are some of the best, if not the best, offensive players in the NHL. But Sidney Crosby is actually uh, leading the league in even strength points with 12 goals, 16 assists, and also leading the Pens with uh, 13 goals, 20 assists, 33 points in his 25 games played. Um, I mean, like, you, you look at the underlying numbers and seeing that the Penguins' power play struggled, this guy could have been – at 40 points. That's only another 7 points. Oh, shit. The Penguin game did start, and they're already down one nothing. My, my stream just jumped to it. What the fuck? What the actual fuck? Well, that's not a great start. Let's see. Who scored? Oh, Johnny Gaudreau, the one fucking player that's an actual threat. And Line A got the assist. Great. Um... Well, that's a big kick in the dick right there. I didn't like to see that. Um, I'd like to see Sid, you know, get multiple points every game this week. Um, I think he could do it. I think, like I said with Captain, that this this uh, this week is a pretty weak schedule in terms of defense. So definitely a, a good chance here. Um, other Penguin stats and news. Um, I mentioned earlier, Latang has his second stroke. Um, last time he was out two months, I, I hope... He takes his time. Um, but moving on from kind of sad story, and I don't really think it's necessarily a right thing to do to keep focusing on his health. Um, but the Penguins were the number one PK in November. I think they killed every single power play that they faced. Um, they have been one of the best units since Teddy Bluger has returned, and they're up to 80.52% uh, on the PK, which is above the league average. Um, but special teams... The PK, you know, solved itself. The the power play definitely needs to get their shit together here. Um, another um, stat for the Pens, their expected goals for is currently 58.5, which is top of the league, maybe top three if I'm, I'm not sure if the stats changed since I last looked, uh, which was yesterday. But it's a reflection of a few things. If you've never heard expected goals for, it pulls a, a bunch of stats into a clean number, you know, clean percentage number to reflect you know, goal scoring and uh, puck luck, basically. Goal scoring from certain areas as well. Um, expected goal scores tally shots in their locations um, while players are on the ice. And it's based off where shots are coming from compared to the league-wide shooting average for that said location. So you shoot right in front of the net, it's probably a pretty high percent chance. Um, you get more shots saved when you're in that, like, inside, uh, area. Um, 
the like blue paint area, your your expected goal score is going to go down. So that, that's kind of how it works, and it's it's interesting that it kind of just means the Penguins are either lucky right now or like with the the puck in general, or you know just getting into good spots and putting pucks in net. And I I really do think that is what it is. Um, I, I think that's a good you know good stat. Um, Penguins are converting their chances that they get, which is kind of the mark of a good team. Uh, difference between, you know, first and second place or, you know, going to the next game or uh, series could be, like, a goal, you know, so got to convert on those chances. Um, and moving on here to my more depressing part of this, this pod is the Panthers den here. The Pan- Florida Panthers, I didn't even want to talk about them last week because they're they're doing so shit, and while there's a little bit, you know, they're riding a two-game winning streak, there's a little bit more to cheer for. Um, they've only gone 4-3-3 three, and three in their last 10. Uh, they continue to lose their, their talent to injuries. Hornquist, who was having a bad season, yes, uh, but still a good player regardless, um, or at least formerly a good player. Uh, he was placed on IR on December 4th, so he's out, who knows, probably a month Maybe two. I, I don't know. Definitely uh, have been following the Penguins closer. Um, not just because I'm from Pittsburgh, but also because this team has not been fun to watch. The, the Florida Panthers. Um, Anton Lundell was also injured. Didn't play in their last game. Uh, my buddy Pat told me today he has Brandon Montour on his team. He went down last game. Uh, the, pa- the Panthers actually played, because of salary cap restraints, with less than 20 uh, players on their benches. Uh, which is kind of crazy if you think about it. Um, the salary cap, they're so against it, and they're not even this great team. Um, they're so against it, they can't even put a whole team on the ice, and that's just weird to me. That's kind of sad. Um, I definitely blame the goaltending still. $15 million tied up there is a shitload of money in the NHL. And I wouldn't necessarily put press the panic button, though, uh, these injuries could be, I don't want to say a blessing in disguise, but, you know, it could shake up the roster. Uh, I don't know how injured these guys are, so all this is somewhat conjecture. Uh, but they need to have some more consistency to compete in the Atlantic Division, and maybe they can add a player, or maybe they move something around, or maybe <laughs> they get some some pipeline guys in. Um, but, panic button, not yet, but pretty damn close. Um, they managed to beat the Canucks and the Kraken 5-1. Uh, both those games, the, the power play was really clicking during the, the Kraken game, three out of four. Um, I think looking at this week at the, a glance, uh, it might create some anxiety for the Panthers. Uh, they play Winnipeg, Detroit, Tampa Bay, and the Kraken again. And instead of uh, instead of you know doing all these games like I do for the Pens. Um, I'm just going to uh, review these two games versus Detroit and Lightning since they are those three teams, Panthers, Detroit, and Lightning, they're all three, four, and five in the uh, in the Atlantic division, Lightning being three, Detroit being four, Panthers being five. Um, Panthers have 26 points, or sorry, 28 points. Detroit has 29, Lightning has 31. So they're all within each other pretty closely. Um, 
They're they're one point ahead, Detroit. They play them first. Um, I think they're a young team, has some pretty good talent, definite flaws in their roster makeup right now. I think they defend well. Huso is playing well. Uh, 9-1-2 save percentage, 2-5-8 goals against. I think this Detroit just struggles with their uh, their scoring, like a lot of teams in the NHL. I think it's just inconsistent. They only have two players at a point per game, uh, Market and Kubluk. Um I think, you know, that the Panthers goaltending can stand the test. I think they'll win a, cl- a close a close game 3 to 2 versus Detroit. Um moving on to the Lightning who were definitely the bigger threat here. Um they have been Panthers and Lightning have been a a rivalry since I was in Florida, which um I I went to Florida for college and I spent 6 years there and I kind of remember when I first got there in 2014-2015 that the the Panthers were kind of not very great. Um, they were getting good, for sure, but they weren't great. But towards the end of that rivalry, kind of cross-state rivalry, even in Florida, you'd think that really didn't exist. Uh, but it did. I mean, I, I went to both Tampa and uh, Panther games, and they're always entertaining when they played each other. Um, I, I, I think this game's going to be exciting. I think it's going to be uh, Matthew to Chuck show. Uh, I'd like to see him... Really start, uh, you know, starting some shit for the, uh, the Panthers. Really kind of get into the head of, you know, Cooch and, all, and those guys. And Jesus Christ, the Pens just did another, a penalty. <sighs> we might fucking lose. Um, but the Battle of Florida has definitely gotten excited. I'd like to, exciting, and I'd like to see Tachuk really, you know, kind of take it over. Um, I think he definitely can, and the Lightning, though, it's going to be tough. Uh, they're ranked both 12th in goals for and goals against, so they defend and score in that bot- or the top third of the, of the league, and they're healthy, and despite losing a few few pieces in the offseason, I, I think this team's pretty damn good. I think the, the, the issue, or one of the main issues in the, or the start of the season was Vasilevsky's inconsistency. He kind of wasn't playing very well. Uh, but now he's playing well. Um, and the Lightning uh, recently, or his recent ga- only bad recent game, Vasilevsky's only bad game recently, is the uh, against the Bruins, which kind of, you know, no surprise there. And that game, the Lightning themselves, I actually watched this game. They didn't really look very good. Um, it's a 5-3 loss that they had. So usually when that many goals are put up, it's not all on the goalie. Um, I think... In this uh, Panthers-Lightning game, I think it's going to be emotional. I think it's kind of like Flyers, Pens, you know, players hate each other. They've been playing each other for a while. Hopefully Barkoff's back. But uh, I think I think it's going to be a, a higher-scoring game. And whew, I, I'm not sure who's going to win it. Uh, I want to say Tampa based off of, you know, just they're better right now, doing a better, playing better. But I think the Panthers can win a, a 4-2 game. I, I do think, and it might not be higher scoring, but I think for Panthers, this is going to be a true test. A uh, 4-2 game. Uh, let's, let's see it happen. Let's see it happen. Um, and, yeah, those are the, the two games I wanted to review. Um, as much as I like the Panthers, I, I do have some doubts. Um, they're not the same team they were last year. 
a team that was putting up, you know, this insane amount of offense. Uh, Huberto was one of the reasons, like, I mean, nothing against the Chuck, but Huberto was putting up 100 points. Uh, Barkoff was pretty damn close to that, if not hitting that. Um, I think they're also defending better. Uh, I think the front office is really letting down these players. I think signing a goalie to that deal, Bobrovsky's deal, lets down the players. Signing a backup to a four and a half million dollar deal, like what? What are you doing? Um, I, I I think they also kind of missed on that Giroux trade. Um, so I, I feel like this front office is just overpaying for players, and these poor trades really brought down the Panthers from the success they had last year. And that's not even mentioning the coaching issue that I have with this with this team. Um, but I, I feel like they're just in this weird limbo position in. Like, if, if they do try to add, like, say they add Brock Besser, um, like, where where will that put them? Um, are they even going to have a chance if they do this? Um, I mean, this is, I'm obviously speculating a little bit here, but I feel like if this season goes poorly, I, w- I would want the front office to really get rid of one of these terrible contracts. Um, Bob Roski, um, Spencer, Spencer Knight, just... Oh shit! Something's going on in the Pens game. Some fighting, some pushing, but yeah, I, I definitely want one of these terrible contracts to get moved on from. Uh, I know they'll get some relief with Hornquist being his contract being up, um, but definitely would would welcome that. Um, and as always, here I, I would like to end the show with doing my uh, power rankings here. Um, let me just pull it up. Didn't really change uh, much this this week, I will say. Um, but it did change. Here we are. I think that's Sharon. Let's see. Yep. Let me, uh, let me make this as big as possible for you folks. Um, woo! All right. Um, in the elite bracket, I mean, these teams have not changed in a while. Boston Bruins, number one. Vegas Golden Knights, number two. Devils, number three, Leafs, four. I, I feel like you definitely could interchange these. You could argue either way, but this is how I view it. Um, Vegas recently just beat uh, the Bruins. They're up 3 nothing. Bruins came back 3-3. Vegas wins it in the shootout. So I feel like that's good. You know, this, these teams are even, and we know how good Boston is. So I feel like that really was a, a measuring, you know, stick or tape measuring or stick measuring, whatever, for uh, – for Vegas of how good they actually are. Um, the other uh, bracket, next bracket here, playoffs. Um, I was definitely down on uh, on the Hurricanes, but I have them in my number one slot in the playoffs. I think they're playing at an elite level of just not laying a lot of goals in, and it's tough to beat a team that you can't score it on. Uh, next, Stars. I mean, I mentioned it. I think they're lethal. Uh, next is the Islanders. I feel like they follow the same pattern of not laying a lot of scoring in, um, you know, tough team to beat when you can't score on them. Uh, Kraken, I, I feel like Kraken are a different story. They're getting that elite goaltending that they needed to really make themselves stand out in this league. They're still, I feel like, second best in the Pacific until, you know, they start getting on a hefty losing streak or maybe uh, lose a player to injury or something like that. Barring that, I, I feel like they're going to be in playoffs this year. Um, might even bet some money on it, not going to lie. 
Uh, next team I have Penguins here. Feel like talk them to death. Understandable. I feel, think they're a playoff team. I think they found their game. Uh, same thing with the Jets. I think they found their game, which is not letting a lot of goals up as well. Uh, Lightning, same thing. Uh, I think the ba- major shock here is the Avalanche, who I have in the fringe of, not the fringe, because that's the next tier. The last spot in playoffs, they are super injured. I think McKinnon just went down last night, and they are super injured. Like, Erod's gone, and I could pull up a bunch of other players, but no no need to go too in-depth with it. Um, these This team injured. That is why they are this far down. Not because they suck, because, well, the team they field, are fielding right now does suck. They're AHL-quality players. Um, not exactly what you win cups with. Uh, moving on to the, uh, fringe, I got LA who've been slipping, and the inconsistency, I can't push them in the playoffs. Oilers, same thing, um, tough, tough look for the Oilers. I feel like they're so mediocre. Um, Detroit, I, I feel like I could have put them in the playoffs, but I, I don't think they're that good of a team. Uh, I don't think they've at least shown me that they're that good of a team. Same thing with the, the Panthers here next, uh. So inconsistent, decent record. Like these records aren't bad, but they're in the NHL. If you're twelve nine and four, it's like, yeah, you're you look like you're above five hundred, but like you've lost twelve, you've won twelve games and lost thirteen. So you're still kind of that fringe play or in that fringe zone. Fringe zone. Oh, I'm gonna patent that fringe zone. Um, fringe in in general. Um. It's, NHL 500 is really weird. Um, doesn't really make any sense. You have to be like actually below 500 with how the points point system works. To be honest, um, drop my pen and now I'm trying to find it. Uh, moving on, the Wild. I, I feel like the Wild have actually been playing better of recently. Uh, I'd like to see them add uh, at the deadline. I think they have a few million dollars here uh, for adding players. So watch out. I mean. We'll see uh, how well they, they play these next few games. Um, Rangers, I talked about them last week. I feel, feel like this team is kind of searching. Um, they, they're they not elite scoring. They're not elite defending. They don't have that kind of players on their team. They're they're kind of relying on Shesterkin to really uh, pull their team together. Uh, not, a, not a recipe for success, if you ask me. Uh, Calgary, one of the teams definitely started surging up. Same thing with the Predators. Um, these teams have been playing kind of shit. I think these teams are these fringe players. I think they're going to be p- competing for that wild card spot uh, if they don't get in higher uh, on their in their divisions. Um, Montreal, uh, they lost the game. They were winning four four to nothing. They lose seven to six. I almost put them in bad for that. Not gonna lie. Uh, moving on to the bads here, Sabres, inconsistent, bad plays, ruin their good start, they kind of dug themselves in the hole, they're under 500, uh, Senators, I think their talent there, I think they should be playing better, I think goaltending and defenses is bad there, um, Capitals, really injured, also just sucking, uh, nothing, these bad teams, I really don't, not, not, not really watching them that, that much. Uh, Flyers, same thing, just playing bad, moving on. 
St. Louis. Yeah. Gross. I, I've, I've been down on St. Louis. They're 11 and 13 right now. They're just not playing good hockey. They're, they need to do something, make a change maybe. I don't know. Uh, Vancouver and then the Sharks. Kind of just these teams that are floating there in limbo. Um, Vancouver really, really needs to do something if they're not rebuilding and they need to make a move. Uh, moving on, Bedard, same teams as last week. Doesn't even really matter the fucking order. These teams are all going to get a shot at drafting him with how the lottery works. Uh, Chicago, uh, Blue Jackets, Coyotes, Ducks. Ducks have just, their uniforms look awful and they're awful on the ice, so it's just a bunch of, bleh, bunch of garbage. Um, and, and that, that does it for episode seven of fucking dirty here. I appreciate it if, if you've stayed this long, uh, did, talk, did a little bit more talking about Dungeons and Dragons and some of my other hobbies. I definitely want to include these cards that I've been collecting, uh, wherever they are, uh, into the, uh, the pod here. I, I'm trying to think of clever ways. I think rolling for it's a good way, but another thing I was considering is opening packs live and, while that might be obnoxiously loud, it could spur some interesting conversations uh, with potential future guests. And speaking of future guests, my buddy Joey Robeson, uh, I was—I actually went to his wedding uh, this year. Um, it was a good time. Uh, I'm glad for the invite. Glad to see my buddies again. Uh, I'm expecting to interview him within these next few weeks. I'm going to be in Florida from the 17th to the 22nd, so maybe I do an in-person one. We'll see. Uh, I think that'd be fun. Maybe it's more of like a interview style, and I kind of plug it in with the uh, pod. But we'll see. Um, and I and I post this on my my social media, the, the Instagram. And if you're if you're a person who listens to this, and you know you have any questions or you want to talk on the pod, whatever, just let me know. Uh, I'll I'll make it work. We'll we'll organize something. Uh, you know, I, I think hockey is a fun sport to talk about, and there's a lot of opinions out there. And while I, I don't think that I have all the right ones. I definitely like reacting and, you know, reflecting with how other people view things. So just let me know. Um, yeah, and that was Episode 7 of Puckin' Dirty. Uh, my name is David Ejoya, and once again, thanks for listening. I'll see you again next week.